pray for the women to find courage in God's word and confidently live out their faith by reaching out others with the gospel. Hello and welcome to this action podcast from Bible League International. I'm your host, Michael Woolworth. The Bible is replete with women who've made a tremendous difference for the sake of the gospel. Sarah, Esther, Elizabeth, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the list goes on and on. Today I'm joined by my colleague Jennifer, who lives on and travels the continent of Africa to capture and share so many of the wonderful stories you read and hear about from Bible League International. Well, I admire what you do. And uh, listen, our story that uh, we're going to share today comes from Zambia, and that's a country you've visited. Um, Jennifer, will you paint a picture uh, for us of what you saw and experienced in Zambia in terms of uh, its people, um, the landscape, the economy, and then the influence of Christianity? Tell us about what uh, you've experienced in Zambia. Actually, one of the first things I saw when I landed in Zambia is um, the landscape. Uh, It's a landlocked country. Majority of the country is rural, and they have a lot of uh, vast, fertile, uncultivated land, which which I found very interesting. Then the other thing that um, uh, stood out for me is the hospitable nature of the Zambians. They are very hospitable. They are welcoming, uh, very upbeat people. Hmm. And then they speak a lot of uh, different dialects. Uh, maybe I can just mention three. Uh, there is a language called Bemba, Nyanja, and Chewa. Those are uh, vernacular languages I kept hearing them uh, conversing. Um, okay. These are Bantu-speaking people. I'm also from the background of Bantu, so sometimes I could hear a few of the words they were speaking. The other thing I noticed, there was plenty of food in Zambia. I don't think this is a place you can go without food. They have a lot of uh, different types of food that they eat. And mm-hmm. what I liked is the fact that most of their food is natural, it's organic, and mm. they have a lot of um, traditional vegetables and beans. There's just, uh, you can never go without food in Zambia. Then, <laughs> um, speaking of the economy, um, given it's a rural, most of it is rural. They do a lot of their source of income is farming. So, I saw a lot of um, casual laborers and a lot of people running small uh, businesses. Okay. And then, on the economic front, there's also I saw that there is 12% uh, percentage of unemployment, so there's a little challenge there with, where it comes to employment. Most people don't have jobs. And then um, there's a vicious cycle related to poverty and illiteracy. And the last thing I want to mention is on uh, people I think have forgotten about this. At the onset of the HIV and AIDS, uh, the pandemic uh, that hit Africa, uh, Southern Africa was mostly hit and uh, it's still visible in Zambia because we have a lot of orphans. Hmm. So one of the things the pattern mentioned to me is that a lot of Zambians are raising other children from their deceased families or even neighbors or just trying to help. The last thing I want to mention, Michael, because you had asked about Christianity, um, I did see two parallels. One of them is the spiritual poverty because of a lot of deception. There's a lot of uh, prosperity gospel being propagated in Zambia, Hmm. as well as uh, the onset of cults. So we have a lot of false prophets preaching, you know, wrong doctrines and because people are hungry for the truth, they fall for those, you know, lies and deception, which is very unfortunate. And then the other thing that I saw that um, is impacting the gospel is what you could call um, cultural impediments or, or setbacks. So there's a lot of uh, belief in some cultural practices that are contrary to God's word, uh, like witchcraft. There's still early marriages, there's polygra- uh, polygamy that is being practiced. There's even wife inheritance, which are things that, I think in the West, these are things that are just beyond foreign, but they are there, they are practiced, and this is affecting the gospel. Hmm. 
And then the last thing is the need for the Bible. Um, Two-thirds of Christians in Zambia do not own Bibles. And as a result, of course, it's easy to deceive somebody who didn't, you know, who doesn't have a Bible and who's never uh, read a Bible in their life. So these are the things that stood out. It, it sounds like a mouth, mouthful, but I kind of wanted to touch on all of them just to give uh, the background uh, of how things look in Zambia. Well, you've been there, and you can, again, yes. uh, you know, help paint a picture in our minds of what life is like uh, there in Zambia. That's helpful. Um, you're acquainted with the story of Leah, uh, the story that we'll share today. Um, she is one of 8,000 Bible study leaders trained in Zambia over the last three years. Um, before you share her story, though, uh, tell us a couple things. Um, when did Christianity become Zambia's official state religion? According to what I was informed, it's, you know, after they gained uh, independence from the Great Britain in 1964, that's when Christianity began to spread. And then it was in, um, instituted in their constitution in 1996. So that's when Zambia was declared a Christian nation. And of course, the majority of Zambia's professed Christianity. And yes, that, that's when Christianity became um, a thing in Zambia. And then when we uh, talk about uh, Leah being one of 8,000 Bible study leaders trained, how in the world was Bible League able to train that large of a number of leaders in such a short time? How's that happen, Jennifer? One of the things that uh, that happens in Zambia and what makes it unique is that they have Zambia has a dedicated duo of two national directors that have had the pleasure of meeting and seeing them work on the field. Patience and Lizzie um, is their name. Hmm. Uh, they are very passionate about uh, not only training leaders, but raising leaders to reach their communities with the word of God. And one of the things I appreciate about what I saw them doing, they are very, not only are they definitely born again and passionate, but they are always very sensitive to the spirit. They're always looking out to the gap. Um, anytime they come across a gap in, in, a, in a certain community, they go back. Uh, they monitor, they, they run a lot of assessments that they do consistently just to check that um, all areas of Zambia are covered. And then they follow, um, they follow that up with um, the Project Philip uh, promotions, which they are always carrying out. And then they also, the other thing that makes Zambia unique, they do have a vast number of volunteers. I think some of the largest numbers of volunteers on the ground, which mm. makes their work easier in the sense that patients and busy do not have to, you know, be in, a, in in every particular place in Zambia. But um, the volunteers can run can run the work on their behalf. They do have a very strong sense of teamwork, mm. which uh, everybody is listening on each other and 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 like reporting what they are seeing in the field and making sure that uh, the needs are met in the field. So I think this is what has enabled them to be successful in reaching and capturing not only the vision for Bible League, but making sure that um, everybody that needs the Word of God is hearing the Word of God. Mm. Amen. Well, listen, what we try to do on these action podcasts is um, kind of a return on uh, investment report. Um, listeners, we want you to know what your prayers, what your financial support, um, all the advocacy that you do on behalf of Bible League. We want you to hear that firsthand. You know, you read about it so much uh, in uh, many of the materials you receive from us, but today you'll get you, you actually get to hear it from somebody again who's been in Zambia. Let's uh, let's transition to this story of Leah, um, Jennifer. Tell us tell us about where Leah lives and what her somewhat uh, primitive family life is like, because I know you're acquainted with her story. Leah um, lives in the eastern part of Zambia, 
and she lives in a very humble home. It's actually a hut. She's married. Um, she has daughters. And one of her routines in the morning is to draw water from the well each morning while her husband uh, goes to harvest uh, some maize cobs from their piece of land. And she also makes uh, a dish. It's called shima in uh, in the Zambian language. And it's um, it's a staple. It's a maize meal cooked on an outdoor fireplace. And despite uh, their meager earnings, they're able to share this shima, the maize meal that they cook. Hmm. They share it with their neighbors and relatives. It just shows the hospitality I was talking about. And um, Jack, um, after, after like in the evenings or during lunchtime, he's able to share uh, lunch with his daughters. And also at night, this is when the family gets to read the Bible together um, as a family and just hear from God's word. So you can see it's a, it's a simple family, but uh, very deep in faith and also uh, very connected in um, g- their generosity is definitely felt. Mm, very nice. Was Leah always interested in Christianity? No. So what I found out about Leah is that, uh, you know, she came from a religious family, but by religious, we mean the African traditional church. This has a lot to do with, you know, mixing um, what is taught in the Bible with some African cultures, like the ones I had mentioned before, which are really contrary to the word of God. So despite coming from that kind of a background, she had little interest in Christian faith until her brother came to faith and uh, he was totally transformed. And this had um, a serious impact on Leah. So she began to desire to also follow Christ and began attending church. It's while attending church that she actually discovered she was a sinner and uh, approached uh, one of her pastors who um, explained salvation to her and she gave her life to the Lord. And one of the things that uh, changed completely or rather immediately for Leah is the fact that uh, she used to have bad dreams before, which we can call maybe nightmares. Mm. Those ones stopped, the, the nightmares stopped, and she became interested in discipleship for herself and also for others. Now, she, she attended a Project Philip Leaders training, right? Uh, went yes. through that. Of course, that's, uh, you know, this is a serious, serious commitment uh, for people to be there for many hours, sometimes uh, o- over many weeks. Um, once she had that training, uh, Jennifer, what, what did Leah do next with that training? After she attended the training, uh, she started a study in the Gospel of John, uh, which began with 26 young people. And they were meeting outdoors uh, twice a week. You can see that's quite the commitment. And some of the people that attended the Bible study are the teens and the young adults. And uh, from her input is the fact that they were very hungry for God's word. And Mm -hmm. so just attending the Bible study and reaching out to others is also impacting the young people in her community. Yeah, so when participants uh, complete uh, this study, of course, listeners, you're acquainted uh, with the Project Philip, Christianity 101, the Gospel of John, paired together uh, in many languages around the world. Um, you know, we feel that, uh, Jennifer, I've been through this, I mean, yes. uh, my, myself, so I that I can, I, I can tell others that, you know, people are in a good position to begin their spiritual walk with Christ once they've completed this study. We make a big deal about their completion of this study, don't we? There's graduation ceremonies. Yes. Why do we do this? I think um, one of the things is, is the fact that uh, most of the people that come for the Bible studies, as you can see in, in, in Zambia, the statistics are very dim in, in terms of very many people don't have Bibles. For those of us who've always had Bibles, um, I guess it's easy to maybe even take it for granted and think that everybody has a Bible. So it's really a big deal to affirm uh, when people have gone through the Bible study or the Project Philip completed the program also, you know, uh, rewarding them or rather um 
placing the word of God in their hands. So you will notice that during graduation, um, there's going to be the rejoicing over the new believers, um, awarding them with a Bible of their own, even in their own language, so they are able to read and understand God's word. Mm. And also um, helping them as they walk in their new walk in Christ, because a lot of people have come to Christ for the first time uh, during Project Philip um, training or Bible study. So it's, it's really a big deal. And then you will notice um, when the graduates are going through this process during the graduation, there's a lot of celebration, especially in, in a country like Zambia. I've seen this so many times. They sing, they dance, they lift up their Bibles, just worshiping God, uh, because owning a Bible is a big thing. Especially in African countries, it's still a treasure to own your own Bible. So the graduation is definitely the climax of this whole uh, program when it comes to Bible. Well, I'm glad we uh, make a big deal about it, because it is a big deal, isn't it? I know heaven rejoices yes, over these uh, these new believers uh, who are members of our spiritual family. How many Bibles uh, were in the church that Lee is part of? I know that you said that uh, that's one of the uh, challenges, is that you know Bibles are not necessarily readily available here in America. Most of our listeners will know you can buy those at a Christian bookstore, or even a lot of the big retailers. You know, they sell Bibles. They're not hard to find here in America. It's not necessarily true in Zambia, but, but in Leah's church that she's a part of, um, how, how many Bibles were part of the congregation? So in Leah's church, they uh, only had five Bibles uh, at one time, but uh, thankfully now they have 30, which is a, is a big step in terms of uh, where they were before. Yeah, and why does Leah feel it's important for believers to have access to God's Word? Uh, she feels that way because um, having God's Word is um, helps them to grow in faith, and then um, it helps uh, people to reject false teachers, as I had mentioned uh, at the beginning. You've touched on this earlier. Um, Any idea, Jennifer, how many Christians in Zambia have Bibles, and then how many go without them? So the only believers that have Bible is really accounts to only one-third, so you can see it's pretty small a number uh, for the entire population of 18 million. Um, Well, that that means the Bible League has some work to do. Amen? (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Jennifer, you've been to Zambia. Uh, you know this story uh, very well. Um, what are uh, one or two ways that we can pray specifically for Bible League's ministry in Zambia? Yeah, uh, Michael, I'm going to probably be, it may look like I'm being biased, but I'm not. But um, it's, it's just uh, the kind of prayer request I want to request for have a lot to do with what stood out for me. So I would request that we pray for especially women and girls in Zambia because uh, culturally they are relegated to just doing house chores. Um, Most of them are denied education and a right to exercise their fullest potential, which makes it difficult even after you become a believer. The other thing we would pray for them, uh, for the women to find courage uh, in God's word um, and confidently live out their faith by reaching others with the gospel, kind of like what Leah is doing. And then um, lastly, I would pray that, uh, let's pray for Leah and her family to be strengthened in their faith, and also for Leah to keep on, uh, to continue reaching more young people with the gospel. So that's what I would say. Yeah, those are some really specific ways that we can pray for Zambia. Jennifer, um, any other final thoughts on Zambia? Again, this is a country where you've been. Any thoughts there? And then uh, my final question would be, um, what would you say to those who pray for, who advocate for, and who support uh, the work of Bible League in Zambia? Through Bible League ministry, God is definitely moving in a great way in Zambia, and a lot of uh, people and communities are being transformed uh, in Zambia and also in Africa. Bible League ministry, what I have seen is that uh, it's reawakening the voice of women in Africa and helping them to find and live out their purpose. 
through God's word. Um, so I would want to say thank you for your prayers, um, sacrificial giving and commitment to see lives transformed by God's word. And just know that every little act of kindness has been felt on the ground um, as evidenced by changed lives. Well, I love everything you've just shared, Jennifer. Um, and I want to end our time together today by playing audio from just three of the many young people impacted by Leah's willingness to invest in their lives. And you've graciously agreed to interpret their kind words for us. We'll start with 14-year-old Loveness. I want to know what is a good life, so I have a strong desire to read my own Bible. Here is Patrick, and he is 18 years old. Leah invited me to be part of the group, and I want to learn more about Jesus. And finally, this is Christine, and she is 17 years old. I would like to learn how to teach others with my own Bible. (laughs) I absolutely love that. Uh, Those are young people learning what it means to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, and they're eager to share him with others. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church. And as we've heard today, he's doing that through wonderful women like Leah in Zambia, Africa. Jennifer, thank you again. And friends, thank you for listening today. Will you stay current with us by signing up for our Verse of the Day and e-newsletter at BibleLeague.org? That's BibleLeague.org. And follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And let us know if Leah's story has encouraged you by emailing us at podcast at BibleLeague.org. For this Action Podcast, I'm Michael Woolworth.